This is Andrew Haig, and I am the director of the film Lean on Pete, and you are listening to Film Wax Radio. <laughs> I can, I can pick. Hey everyone, it's Adam Shartov, host of Film Wax Radio, here to chat with you about independent film. Okay, interviews with independent filmmakers coming up. It's very unusual for this show to have on filmmakers, directors... I know, 90% of my guests are filmmakers. I, I know it, I know it. But that's kind of the thing. We're talking about how you make films. We're going to have on act, more actors ahead, don't worry, and authors coming up. I was hoping I could make an announcement about a well-known film writer. I mean, a writer about films. He's got a new book. Looks good. But I won't know until I, well, until I know. Anyway, this episode is episode 506, and uh, it's a it's just a terrific episode of the podcast. Uh, two segments, as I try to do. One is with uh, the lovely Amy Scott, who is the director of a new documentary about the uh, iconic and beloved film director, Hal Ashby. And it's called Hal, and it's coming out tomorrow, Friday, the uh, 6th of September. Tomorrow, no, today's the 6th of September. It's coming out tomorrow, Friday, September 7th, in theaters. How? Don't miss it. It's a terrific documentary. Saw it a couple of times. I saw it at the Montclair Film Festival uh, much earlier this year, in the spring, and then I saw it again in preparation for my talk with Amy, and, uh, you know, got just as much, if not more, out of it the second time viewing it. Uh, and then... I'm excited because my friends Kristen Slaysman and Josh Crockett are uh, are on the show as well in the second segment with their film. It's called Dr. Brinks and Dr. Brinks, and I'm finally getting them on. I met them back in uh, the spring of 2017 at the Maryland Film Festival with uh, where I saw Dr. Brinks uh, and immediately wanted to sort of, you know, do whatever I could to help them in the film. I had a lot of belief in the film and it stars uh, a number of well Kristen is in it as well and she uh, she well she's a producer on the film and she's she's uh, one of the main uh, lead actors in the film but she's also joined by Robert Longstreet who is a longtime friend I've known for about 10 years and who is a friend of the podcast and also film wax radio friend Ashley uh, Spillers who who's been on the show is also in in the film in one of the main roles. So it's chock full of friends. And uh, and it stands on its own merit as just a great entertaining um, drama comedy, if you will. It's, again, it's called Dr. Brinks and Dr. Brinks. We'll have more about that in a little while. Uh, first of all, though, here we have uh, Amy Scott. I think this is her first feature uh, she's made, and she got incredible access. Just some of the talking heads on this film include Allison Anders, who, you know, by the way, Gas Food and Lodging, a bunch of other films. I've been trying to get on the show for a long time. So if you know Allison and you can kind of nudge her, let me know. Judd Apatow, Rosanna Arquette, Bo Bridges, Jeff Bridges, Lisa Chilodenko, Caleb Deschanel. I'm just going down the uh, the IMDb page for it. But uh, Jane Fonda, Louis Lu- Gossett Jr., Lee Grant, 
Dustin Hoffman. I don't know my, most of these people. Though. I mean, they sound fairly obscure. But boy, John, John Voight. A lot of people love Hal Ashby. They loved working with him. They believed in him. But he was, you know, he never got along with the uh, the bigwigs. And as, uh, you know, he was making films from the, from the 70s to the 80s, which was the end of, uh, 70s was like the, the height of, you know, independence and, and these uh, auteur filmmakers like Ashby making movies uh, that are were really countercultural. Like, you know, he made... Uh, uh, Harold and Maude, of course. He made The Last Detail, Shampoo, Coming Home, Being There, and uh, just a credible output of films in the 70s. And then as the 80s started, and it became harder and harder for him because the business had shifted, right? After Jaws, after Star Wars, after uh, E.T. And um, these were blockbuster films. We all know the story. Uh, movie companies expected a huge box office immediately they wanted uh, to make these tentpole films and uh, the at the same time the movie studios were being bought by corporations Hal Ashby was no longer in demand well he was by by actors and moviegoers but not by movie studios so he clashed and he made a string of uh, unsupported films films that were taken out of his control and butchered uh, you know uh, uh, starting almost immediately in the 80s with secondhand hearts then he made Looking to Get Out and a number of other films, including The Slugger's Wife, Eight Million Ways to Die. Well, by the way, watchable, but nowhere nowhere really nearly as, I would say, even life-changing. I mean, you know, these were movies that you walked out of, uh, uh, changed. You, you can't go into a movie theater and see Harold and Maude come out the same person, is my point. So... What, I don't know how come it took so long to make this documentary. I mean, I, I don't mean for Amy herself. I just mean in general, why did it take so long till somebody made a documentary about Hal Ashby? But someone did. Her name is Amy Scott. She did a fabulous job. She's on the show right now here on Film Wax Radio. I think it's amazing how lucky we are to be in our profession and have the movies uh, to remember people with. I think the films of Hal Ashby have had an enormous effect on most of the great filmmakers that we admire. The winner is Hal Ashby. Ten or eleven features, seven in the seventies, that are just an astonishing string of masterpieces. I want to thank Hal Ashby for your courage. obsessed with film. He'd smoke some punch and he would work all night. It's, it's still a little astonishing to me why he hasn't had his due. I mean, that's all we have as filmmakers are instincts. We have nothing else. In other words, why I feel about something, it's the only thing I know. The film will tell you what to do. add you as a contact in my phone how could it be that you didn't you didn't do that already (laughs) you're in now you're forever in i'm glad as you are in my my contacts hi amy scott how are you hi adam i'm well i'm doing good i'm in los angeles and i'm indoors in one of those like buildings that just pumps 
65 degree air because it's hot outside. So it's disorienting. <laughs> well, the same here, only um, if we're talking weather, it's so muggy and there's, um, I think we're going to start getting s- some thunderstorms shortly. Oh, and what really sucks nice. is I was going to go to a live like concert at Lincoln Center Outdoor Concert tonight. But oh, who who is playing? It's a Nina Rota. Rota, the Italian composer. Yeah, it's like a well, he's not going to perform. It's like a tribute concert, and Hello? it's a it's a oh. bunch of people, but it's being led by Hal Wilner. Hal Wilner, mm-hmm. and if they're going to do the score for Amarcord. Mm-hmm. Amarcord, wow. Yeah. So a bummer. Yeah, a little bit of a bummer. I mean, I could still chance it, I guess. I could head out there. I'll still make it. It's really nice because you can get there last minute, and you know, as long as you don't care about where you sit, it's really nice. Yeah, that sounds great. Right on the Lincoln Center campus, you know, it's real. Where are you from, Amy? Well, I'm from a town in Oklahoma called Lawton. It's a. Mm-hmm. It's actually quite large, but very small. If it can be both, um, it's a military. A town built around a military base. It's so um, funny when you paused for a moment. I almost said, "Are you a military brat, or is that what they call army brat? Army brat. <laughs> army brat." I was going to no. ask you. Okay. I'm not. All my friends were. Okay. Um, no, it's just where my family settled, and uh, and they. Um, they settled. Were they? Uh, that's where they settled. You know, as the, they, as the Okies did, they laid. The, oh, that's true. The, that's the flag true. down and the land run, and that's where they stayed. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's um, an interesting place. Mm-hmm. It was uh, I was thinking about where I came from, and I think so much of mm-hmm. wanting to like get out of that place um, formed my cinematic tastes. If that makes any sense. <laughs> well, you grew up in this town, relatively a small city, excuse me, and it was yeah, right, so, uh, mm-hmm. you, but. There was probably, well, I'm going to guess by the 80s or something. I don't know how old you were, 90s, early 90s, maybe when you were starting to come to a level of your own artistic awareness or taste. I or... graduated in high school in 1994, so all of my mm-hmm. time there was pre-internet. So it was the era right. of getting, if you liked a record, then you like, you know, obsess over the liner notes and figure out who mm-hmm. the producer was and then go by the you know like it was really it was like a research heavy youth to try to get culture uh that i you know the kind of culture that i was looking for and the counterculture which i did eventually find uh when i went to college but um yeah it was, it's 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 a sharp contrast to how i'm raising my kids in in the middle of los angeles right now i just keep thinking about it, like all of the things that I was bummed about growing up, mm-hmm. um, are now kind of like quaint and crystallized. In yeah, my mind. sure. Like, sure. man, I kind of would love for them to have that experience of absolutely no stimulation. <laughs> yeah, me where too. They've got to figure it out. You know? you you have, but you ha- are these hypothetical children, or do you have them? Oh no, they're real. They're real. <laughs> you have real bricks and mortar yeah. children. They're real kids. And how old are they? Straight bricks and mortar. Uh, well, one of them, um, I was thinking about when I started the Howl movie, I ha- I kind of had her and the Howl movie at the same time. So, um, oh. she's almost five. Oh. Uh, my oldest is almost five. And then I have a, uh, almost three year old too, uh, two little girls and they're, they're wonderful. They keep, mm. they keep, they keep things active. Wait, the second one's how old? Uh, she's almost three years old. Oh, wow. So three and five. That's great. Part. That's great. You have them. <laughs> they're going to be very close or... Mm-hmm. 
really, really hate each other. No, I, I, I shouldn't joke about such things. That's my problem. I, I should be self-censoring when it comes to those thoughts. But, but they're going to probably be really, really close regardless of how they feel about each other. Sure. I have a, my, not the first time it's come up. I've been in a room and they start bed. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. My, well, my son is actually just turned, uh, not long ago, he turned 14. Which just blows my mind. And wow. uh, he, he has a younger half-sister he lives with, so I, I call her half-sister to il- just explain the situation. But they don't think of each other in fractions. No. They think of each other in holes, you know. So they, right. they, so they, li- they grew up, you know, they lived together, and they shared a room for many years, and now they don't because he's 14. So they're both in their separate summer camps right now. And so they're kind of experienced what you were referring to before, which is complete lack of any kind of stimulation from a screen or from a zero one kind of thing, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm real happy about that. No, I'm 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 excited to get to the point where I can ship them off to Oklahoma. And my husband's from Kansas City, Missouri, so they're going to spend some summers out there in the <laughs> with grandparents. What? With grandparents and uncles and aunts. Yeah, 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 that's great. Cousins. and uh, my, my wife, when I was married anyway, she was from the South, from Nashville and, and Mississippi. So I, I had the similar thing where we, chip, we shipped him out one summer. And it was a kind of a, um, a failed experiment, only in the sense that these kids grew up in a house where, like, the TV was on all night. And, the, you know, the kids had the TV. And he couldn't sleep. You know, he, 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 oh, no. he enjoyed their company. And they were all very loving and generous to him but he didn't grow you know he had a different experience you know very different experience <laughs> anyway but so, so no, you, you mm-hmm. want it you want an idea you know in your mind you envision that they're going to go back there it's going to be like the wizard of oz and <laughs> just like rolling hills and no internet yeah. no television and books yeah. everywhere that's nuts. Well, no the in-laws are watching everybody's watching cnn all the time it's a complete distraction and well, uh, that would have been all right. The yellow brick road leads to like you know the the Waffle House in this case, but uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, so I was going to ask you growing up in in this city in uh, Oklahoma if they had an art house. If you when you first became exposed to the great films of Hal and and his contemporaries like uh, Peter Bogdanovich or of course Robert Altman and these guys were yeah. were making these wonderful as you put it, countercultural films. And uh, where were you first exposed to those? If well, not at the local you know, theater. I think I would, I have to give my dad some credit. He had uh-huh. really good taste. And I mean, we did watch Altman. We watched Popeye and we watched, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, was it Bur- Burgess Meredith's, um, uh, the, dra- Pete, the dragon. Um, Which one was that? Puff, Wait, Puff what was that? Dra- Burgess Meredith's, uh, is the voice of Puff, the magic dragon. He was? We, we, uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, I just, I remember, well, I remember from Batman, of course. I'm a little older than you. So we had Batman. That was my introduction to him. I didn't know he was been like a Hollywood movie star and character actor for decades. Yeah, yeah. And then Rocky. And um, and, uh, I remember watching, we we watched a lot of good movies, you know, I remember watching The Point, Nielsen's The Point. Sure. My dad was pretty, pretty good about showing us. I think we watched Jaws. Free to Be You and Me? Sounds like you watch Free to Be You and Me. Uh, free to be you and me. Which one is that? What? Oh, Amy, oh. Amy, you're gonna have to look that up. Okay. <laughs> Get the record. It's, it's. I think there's a CD version of it, but you know, I grew up on this album. This was Marlo Thomas and like I think Alan Alda. Oh yeah, it's like a musical about kids being okay, whoever they are. It was like the first time. It was also, I think, on PBS, but I, uh, I could be mistaken. But they made a record, and uh, um, it might have been live show. 
and they were these different skits, and they were all about children allowed to be whoever they were. It was really ahead of its time in terms of the messaging. Very beautiful. And there was a song, William Has a Doll. That was very memorable, where kids would tease this little boy because he loved playing with dolls. And the, the message was, of course, well, you know, it's perfectly okay to love playing with dolls if you're a boy. And, uh, you know, what kind of empowering message like that could, I mean... That's it, fantastic. Yeah. I'll find that. Free, free to, to be... That, that, slip, that was the sand, you know, the things that slipped through. I, love, I used to learn, learn these things, you know, as an adult. It's so sure. great because I can take this to my kids now. There's some good songs in that show. Like sure. like the title song, you'll you'll just YouTube the t- the title song when we get okay. off when we get off there when you when you quote unquote go back to work, uh, you, <laughs> you can put that on your your um, to do list. Right, yeah, but um, I, you know, you said uh, Bogdanovich. I remember we my dad showed us uh, my brother and I. <laughs> he showed us last picture show because. Mm. Uh, in high school, I was in high school, so I saw it then, and he thought it was really important that we watched it, because we used to go, or I used to, my friends and I would try to go and buy beer in Wichita Falls, Texas, and so he's like, well, I know what you're doing down there. Anyway, here, this movie is cool. It's about Wichita Falls, and they shot it there, <laughs> so it's like, that was a good teachable moment. Mm-hmm. So, he had good taste, and you know, when I went to college, um, I just had the kinds of roommates that were it was very similar to in the in our movie where um david o russell is, says you know he had those friends that were older than him and they're like oh david you haven't seen harold and maude oh david you know like, <laughs> yeah you've been? and it was it was ex- precisely exactly the same Mm-hmm. Uh, scenario that I had in, in like my freshman or sophomore year, and I was a film. I was you know doing film studies. Where was that? And talking to my talking at University of Oklahoma, and I okay. think I was you know trying to chat it up about Truffaut and Godard and all that. And they were like, yeah, 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 that's great. But have you seen Harold Amada? Do you know <laughs> how Ashby is? And, so you, and you, I didn't. And mm-hmm. um, and I can remember skipping. Like I just skip film class to we. They were like, we're going to get Harold Amada. We're going to watch it. So I, it was, I would think that's so interesting that I had to like, not go to class to stay home to get schooled on Ashby, and it was it was life-changing. You know, that, that movie, Harold and Maude, I know that's everybody's, like, introduction for the most part uh, mm-hmm. into him, but it's, and I think it's for a reason, you know? it's If you see it at that time, it's like seeing Rebel Without a Cause or Reading on the Road or, um, you know, any any sort of, uh, Seeing free to be you and me when you were an yeah, adolescent exactly. kid, yeah. <laughs> well, you referred to, I think you referenced rather David O. Russell before about his mm-hmm. his someone putting Harold and Maude on his radar, correct? So that was uh, in the film. So you, it might be a good time to to kind of talk a little bit about how well we are, I suppose, by talking about Harold and Maude. But you've made this feature documentary film, which I caught up with. Uh, I think it was at Montclair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it premiered at Sundance, right? Yes. Okay. And it's we'll just get it out of the way. It's opening on September 7th here in New York City. Mm-hmm. you have any other, what, what other towns it's opening up on that day? Or is it? It's opening, well, it's in New York on the 7th that weekend at IFC Center. And then mm-hmm. uh, LA the following weekend. And then San Francisco. Okay. So it's going to roll out website <laughs> yeah, yeah it's so cool it's playing in columbus ohio like i'm just floored <laughs> it's going to all these cool places that's great right it's exciting 
Yes, it is exciting. Now, have you made other documentaries prior to this? No. <laughs> How is that possible? Um, no, I uh, you know, I fancied myself a filmmaker, but never, never really tackled anything this big. Have never accomplished anything this big. I directed some short films, um, documentaries, and I directed a lot of music videos. Oh yeah. And um, what 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 I what I've done for for over fifteen years is um, learn how to be an editor. So that was my that was my skill set and my my trade. Editing. Um, editing. And yeah. So, you well, know, it certainly shows. It shows. It's a very well edited film, for one thing. I mean, I know you well, aren't. Thank you. I mean, you're you're the, a co-editor. It was just me. It, you, yeah. with Sean Jarrett, I guess. Sean Jarrett, yeah, he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and honestly, my, my producer, Brian Morrow, we just had a like, you know, as as you do, you have these long conversations that span over a summer or mm-hmm. like late at night and we're trying to unlock a scene. We were, we were having philosophical debates about the narrative we were, you know, story we're trying to tell within the story, within the story. <laughs> it just <laughs> went on forever. So I feel like Brian definitely um, kept you on track. To, mm-hmm to that but yeah sean came in sort of at the 11th hour where i was i've been editing for like four years and i just felt like i was losing my mind (laughs) he kind of came in and made sense of a lot of the problem areas and just really took it to another level so but um but yeah no i you know this is my this is my directorial debut in terms of just you know making a, a long form documentary and um and I learned a lot. I don't think there's any way I could have gotten through it if, you know, I, I just happened to assemble um, a really good, like, crew, family mm-hmm. of people. It is great. I, yeah. I can see. I know Christine Beeb, at least through Beebe, through yeah. through yeah. online means, anyway. Beebe? Is that yeah, how you pronounce it? Yeah. Christine mm-hmm. Beebe? Okay. Now, did you have to see any of these uh, Hal Ashby films to uh, make the film? I'm kidding. Uh, have oh. it, had, did you see? Had you seen all of the films, or the majority, before you decided to make the film? Or because no, I mean, I mean, I hadn't seen like the pilot for Jake's Journey. Like there was some really well, weird, come on. You know, out there stuff. I don't even know no, what that I, is. I, What's Jake's Journey? Yeah, I, mean, I know that it's on his. I can see it's on the list here, but uh, yeah, and I, I'd never seen a TV movie all the way through. Was um, he just? He had to pay his mortgage. Yeah, yeah. So some of those '80s movies. Oh, and uh, yeah, like the the Slugger's Wife. Like I've never seen that as a kid. And when I sort of watched it, I was like, "Oh, no, Jake's Journey." It's got. It must be a British production or co-production. Look at that. A lot of great, mostly British actors. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, the '80s films. The '80s films were not in my repertoire, and so that was you know part of the reason yeah. why I was like, "What happened?" happened to him you know what what was what were the circumstances that led from like this incredible output in the 70s to these like i don't know what strange well i had the advantage i had the advantage of uh back in about six or i don't know six or seven years ago bam i did a uh, retrospective of Hal Ashby's film. So I filled in all of, pretty much anything. I, I had grown up with Hal Ashby. I mean, I, I went mm-hmm. to see a number of them in the theaters when they were coming out, like coming home and being there. I went, but what was nice, and then I, my dad like loved 
Jack Nicholson movies when when I was a kid. So he he introduced me to the last detail, you know. But I when I got to and then Harold and Maude was just this thing that it, I had to see when I was finally. It's, I don't even remember when I finally I saw it. But it was like you had it was like a rite of passage as we were saying before. Uh, but but when I got to go to the the retrospective at Bam, I got to see the landlord on their on the big screen. And um, I think at least one other. I must have seen one or two others. Oh, I think I, went, I saw like Eight Million Ways to Die, uh, and I liked that movie. And part of it was because I did I see. Too. I saw it on the big screen and looking to get out. I saw I, a couple of these films. I saw. What was great was that uh, um, you know uh, they. I think Nick was it Nick whose book, uh, his book came out around Dawson. that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nick Dawson's book on how. So with those things, I really just you know went and got to see pretty much everything other other than jake's journey <laughs> yeah. and, and Nick's book was kind of the reason why i made the film i mean i, right. I okay. read it and i was i was like verdant um with yeah. my first child and closed it and turned to my husband i'm like we're i'm gonna you know try to sell him on this plan that i was gonna make this movie I'm sure you thought I was insane. <laughs> it was mommy brain or whatever. Yeah, no, you know, what do you do? You're like, okay, pregnant lady. <laughs> <It's a good laughs> well, idea. I'm glad you did. Well, let's hope this passes. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know about your husband, but I'm really glad you made it. And, um, you know, yeah, uh, you got some. too. <laughs> <laughs> good. And a lot, a lot of uh, people are in this film, including Nick Dawson, who did write that yeah. biography. And if you're a fan of Hal Ashby's, besides seeing Hal, the documentary, which we're talking about right now. I'm refer- I'm talking to my my, my listeners there right this second. If you do see that, it comes out September seventh in New York. But then read uh, read the book, read uh, Nick Dawson's book, which I, I'm going to glance over at on my shelf. Um, there it is. Life of a Hollywood Rebel. Why do I have a library? I have a library copy. That's weird. I must have bought it off the <laughs> internet and just like a used copy. It doesn't speak well of me. <laughs> but, but I did read it with, you know, really like, like you probably experienced it where I just like digested it, you know, inhaled the book. Um, yeah, for certain. I, I mean, I thought, I thought it was so well written that I could imagine scenes as they were playing out. And yeah. I was convinced that I thought that it was already made. So I started Googling oh. to try to rent the film. And then I was like, wait, no reason. There is no film? That's strange. Like, yeah, and then I just got in contact with Nick, and I was like, "What? Hi, I just read your book. I don't know you, but why isn't there a movie again?" And and then he kind of was like, "I don't know. Call this guy from the estate. <laughs> Talk to him." Oh, and he gave you a name. That's great. And had yeah. had anybody else attempted to uh, when you talked to oh, they, the estate for guy? Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. For sure, yeah, lots of people. Which is strange because I had no experience. I had no business pitching this idea. I mean, I was really pregnant. I had like a lookbook. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd like written a treatment, kind of, mm. um, and, and just kept going. They, you know, they're out in the really in this little office, and they're really, mm. really nice people. But I just kept bugging them and bugging them. I was like, I have a vision. You know, we're going to make this movie, and they're like, okay. And I think I just wore them down eventually. I hear that a lot on the show. Yeah. <laughs> no, you do. The right time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That could be it too. Yeah. You could have yeah. been your timing. It was just the right time to do that, right? Yeah. The long feud between the Bridges brothers and Hal had finally ended. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. The, the only both, feud both he of, had was with the studios. Yeah. Both Bridges are in the film. Um, you've got two Bridges. You have, uh, uh, well, Bo was in... The, by the Bridges. Right. The landlord was Bo Bridges. 
and eight million ways to die. What was it? Uh, Mm-hmm. That's that was, the last film. yeah. So it's a kind of interesting because you know uh, one thing. It's hard. It's it's kind of a hard story. It's like you you know here is this incredibly beautiful guy, Hal, making these. As who is it that that kind of refers to the streak that he had in that seventies? Was it uh, what's his name? The director of uh, 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 Nebraska. What what what? Or Alexander. Oh, oh. Was yeah, it Alexander Payne? Was yeah. it was it Payne who said you know his his seventies mm-hmm, yeah. streak was incomparable to you know just incomparable i mean that not that that there that there have been other filmmakers like you know scorsese or coppola or william friedkin leaving out women sorry but but that um you know had seven that films in nine years yeah yeah but there are others that had seven big hits but they also had a bunch of other flops i mean but his his movies were just that 70s output from the landlord straight through being there just unbelievable. It is. Right? Unparalleled, most, and most definitely. So it's just completely, completely all the more tragic when he's treated by, you know, the studio or by the, the man, by the <laughs> industry so poorly and mistreated and, and mistrusted uh, that his decline is just all the more tragic. It's very tragic. You know? <laughs> I don't want to completely give away the end of the film although most people probably know you know but it was just everything happened really suddenly yeah you know it's like the 80s when the 80s hit that whole era changed and Mm -hmm. and the latitude that those guys were given um changed and sort of evaporated and you had to really do a whole different song and dance to make those kinds mm-hmm. of films there just wasn't a, there wasn't there weren't money makers anymore right. so the directors kind of devalued and then you know he did he he, he didn't um play the game so it was i think it was very easy to, for them the suits and the producers and whatnot mm-hmm. to construct this this alter narrative this alternative narrative yeah that he was a druggie him down the river yeah that he was a druggie mm-hmm. that he was in yeah. that he was unreliable that he was not dependable that he was mentally unstable that he all these things he could have i think he could easily have you know uh made big films and continue to make you know for the studios and then yeah, made some I mean, smaller ones for himself coming home and being there i mean he did make big films that's right what i'm saying well that's right but he could have made uh studio pleasers going into the new age where um, i understand but coming home and being there were what the appetite was for and it was like you say a couple within a few years they they were made on the cusp of like the jaws and the rocky right Uh, Right, these new movies and star wars so those movies Mm -hmm. came out right on the and these films these last couple of films by how being there coming home came on the heels of that, you know, he just barely squeaked those out. Because <laughs> I don't know if they could have been made a few years later. But he could have made bigger films that would have pleased the studios and then squeezed out more coming homes and being theirs for his own, you know, just fulfillment artistically. And and But he had already had such bad relationship. He was ostracized so severely that he didn't even have the opportunity to try to do that. Which a lot of other Which filmmakers is, did yeah. do, you know, or others did, did do that. They did. And, you know, it's sort of why we wanted to include that, that section on Tootsie. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, Tootsie was a huge hit. And, and Steve, uh, it's a wonderful film as it was. I, it's just 
kind of that. It's just the what if, like, oh, what if he had been able to make that? That would yeah. have been such a redemptive smash hit, and it's just such an Ashby. You know, it just feels like it would have naturally been a Hal Ashby film. Yeah. Okay, so we know that you you still got obviously he he had so much goodwill around him. People loved him. Jane Fonda. Uh, Louis Gossett Jr., Lee Grant, Norman Jewison. By the way, Norman Jewison. If you could give me his email, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. And then um, John Voigt. Uh, uh, but all these people are in your film, speaking with such a love. A couple of them even really get very emotional in the film. I don't want to, again, give away too much, but uh, they really really were present for you. And then who, could, who couldn't you get? Who did you try to get but couldn't? Okay. Well, the obvious, um, I mean, Bud Court's not in it. Uh, Who's not in it? Oh, Bud, Bud Court. Bud. Right, Bud. yeah. Although um, he's in it try. in Archive. He's in it, yeah. We couldn't, we couldn't make a movie without Bud. Um, How come he didn't do it? It just didn't. You know, sometimes it just, you just don't get him. He yeah. just doesn't work. Or, mm-hmm. it, or it, it works too late. You know, it's, it, it was, that was very hard um, without mm-hmm. getting into detail. Okay. We love Bud Court. really wish he would have. We would have been in the movie. Um, we tried. And, I bet. Uh, but um, Jack Nicholson would have loved to have had him. Warren Beatty would yeah. have loved to have had him. So those are my my big... The three team. hardest. But, yeah. Yeah. You still did pretty... But I'm shocked we got Robert Town. <laughs> that was like, we're never going to get Robert Town. Like, I couldn't believe it when we did. Just because he's... Uh, kind of has a reputation for being, I don't know. He's elusive. He doesn't really give, you yeah, know, he, I he's see. not an interview guy. I see. But he, and, he, and he's also been known to have some feuds. I didn't know, like, um, I was just listening, listening to Paul Schrader, who, by the way, did the show not long ago. But uh, he, he was doing, wow. another, yeah, that was amazing. He did, um, I was listening to him on some other show, though, and he was talking about how he was, you know, uh, had had some difficult relationships, you know, some of which he's been able to patch up and others not so mm-hmm. much. But anyway, um, but Hal didn't have any, any other creative types. He was just such a, everybody seemed to really love him. They did. Except yeah. for the suits. I mean, uh, except for the suits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, and that was a, you know, I think I keep thinking about the next film that, that I'm, you know, as I embark on something else, like it's not going to be as, easy as as it was to just call these people up and Mm -hmm. you know present an idea and they were ready because no one had asked them about how Ashby and they had all these stories and they wanted to talk about their friend like it was so apparent after the second or third interview it was like oh wow okay this is this is um gonna get heavy yeah (laughs) you you must have a lot more stuff opportunity yet you have a lot of stuff for that you know of course you must I'm, i'm asking but i know the answer you probably have like hours and hours of Right or is this very or did you just have you kind of had very short interviews and you used the majority of what you got? No, no, no. no. We have so much stuff. Okay, (laughs) so much. (laughs) We have like this one. It was so hard to. That's why it took me so long to edit the movie because I was everything was you know Mm -hmm. when Haskell Wexler passed, then his interview really you know I was like I'm going to put all this Haskell in because what a treasure and. Um, and then Pablo Ferro describes mm. how he cut, um, how he you know, came up with the idea to do the editing on, on Thomas Crown Affair with the with the split screens. Like he he sort of gave us like a technical, you know, walked us through the whole process, which I was like, that's a side, that's that's an outtake if there ever was one. <laughs> yeah. You know? 
Amazing. Do you have a favorite? Um, yeah. Do you have a? Did you have a favorite? Was Harold and Maude your favorite going into the project, and did you discover a new, maybe some another film take its place after you made the film? Or for sure, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think I wanted to do it for Harold and Maude, and then when I started watching them all. Uh-huh. on um, approaching approaching them for different reasons I mean, which one I don't, I don't, at this point no all of them I just I would watch over and over and over for for different reasons like looking for different things um, and I don't I say I have a favorite any, anymore but I mean I just have a vast appreciation at the moment I would say being there is definitely a film that every being there and the landlord together oh yeah are yeah happening right now in in you know plain sight in 2018 so i do think they're really important relevant films to go and watch is, is know, the, the landlord... first time i saw those films yeah. Hmm? oh yeah no when i saw the landlord for the first time which is the most recent probably one i just well that's not quite true i think i saw looking into i think secondhand hearts i finally, finally caught up with uh much more recently but the landlord i found when i saw that at that retrospective i was just like how could I have never seen this film before? Where, where, where has this movie been all my life? You know. Yeah, it's okay, so, so good. It's, it's so great. Yeah, it's really amazing. Just an amazing, so countercultural, so, uh, you know, just unbelievable. Like, it uh, the the just how did it get made? You're like, how does something like this get made? And what it must have been like on the set? And just this, mm-hmm. it's just such a dangerous movie in a way you know but also just it was so dangerous but you, know, you gotta think about it. like he was he had just come from shooting in the heat of the night which was literally dangerous like oh, right. life-threateningly dangerous to shoot yeah and, and right and that was a that was a really renegade film and then yeah. and then he's hanging out with bob downey senior as he was right. making like putney swope so you know yeah. there's elements of that for sure and and the landlord but it's so hal ashby because there's this there's this love in it and this human connection, which is so, you know, it's so quintessentially how. It's a great film. Yeah. Robert Downey Sr., or as they used to call him, mm-hmm. Robert Downey, was um, Robert was actually the one who did the Q&A at, with, I think, Nick. I could uh, be, I, could, yeah. I, may, I may be wrong about that, but I know that, that Robert Downey did the Q&A for the landlord, you know, that, 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 that screening. He's the one that came that out is, afterwards and did the Q&A. Yeah. And he subsequently did my podcast as well, but I, I I'll stop doing that. It's a it's a habit. Oh, I, he's so he's he's a tr- national treasure as well. I think he's so funny. That yeah. Well, there is a documentary project for you, unless you want to switch to a different dem- demographic. They're not. Yeah, he's he's not in the mood, <laughs> but he's wonderful. <laughs> he is so lovely, you know. But I could see that he may not be game. But having spent time with him, he he's also incredibly present person and. Um, if you get a chance at some point, listen to that podcast because uh, I'm pr- very proud of I it. Will. Actually, I'm very proud of how it turned out. As I am for this one, I'm going to remind people: Amy Scott is the director mm-hmm. of How. It's a wonderful documentary. It's played at all of the great festivals, uh, certainly here in the states, which makes sense since Hal Ashby. Well, and you know, Hal Ashby is actually one of those filmmakers that does transcend. You know, anybody who's a film lover knows Hal Ashby regardless of where they live uh but it's it oh, yeah, we're, we're doing well across the globe I mean yeah do you yeah, have like is um, it playing Australia, at a festival this weekend France, everywhere I'm sorry is it playing at a festival international festival this weekend did I see that on your website on the 27th 
says perhaps. Oh, perhaps? <laughs> is perth? Uh, it, it says view Omni. I don't know what that means, but it has a Euro, kind of European time. Let me click on that. I'm Most looking at... likely. We did Karlovy Vary and Edinburgh and uh-huh. uh, Australia. I think we're doing one in Jerusalem. I mean, it's 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 making the rounds. So. Beautiful. I'm, this is what I'm most proud of. You know, we made it for yeah. Howe. And to, for, to have anybody that's never seen, mm-hmm. and that was one thing I noticed, you know, on the festival circuit, was these young kids that were coming up to me afterwards, like, oh, man, I've never seen any of his movies. I'm going to go watch all of them now. And I was that's like, the, that's, that's exactly what, done. yeah, that's exactly what you want to hear. But it mm-hmm. went to went to full frame, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned Kansas City, Nashville, great festival, Cleveland. Yeah, and San Francisco, Seattle. On um, and on. AFI, Docs. Uh, Beautiful. Yeah, oh, well, we actually won a special jury award at Dead Center in Oklahoma, and that was re- very rewarding for me to <laughs> Literally. Um, yeah. It's going to be in New York City uh, at the IFC Center coming up I'll in a there. short. Uh, you'll be there for the Q&As. I'll, I'll come by yeah. if you uh, don't mind. And I, um, I'd love to meet you in person. <laughs> I would love to meet you, too. Congratulations. So, and then it'll be in Los Angeles a week later, as we said, the, I guess that's the, 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 the 14th? The 14th at the New Art. Yeah. At the New Art. And actually, the New Art is playing, is playing um, for a week there, mm-hmm. I believe. And they've also um, scheduled uh, Harold and Maude screenings. As Great well. idea. But yeah. people should see, yeah. we mentioned the streak. Uh, let's just, the landlord, then Harold and Maude, the last detail. Shampoo. Shampoo. Ba- shampoo's great. Warren Beatty. Bound for Glory. Yeah. Uh, Come. Coming home, being there. Secondhand Hearts. Looking to get out. Let's Spend the Night Together, which is the name of a film. Don't get nervous. And The Sl- Slugger's Wife. And Eight Million Ways to Solo Die. Trans. Don't forget about Solo Trans, the weird Neil Young concert film. Oh, is that what that is? <laughs> for the Neil Young. Because he made the oh, trans. Yeah. yeah, he had a, an album called Trans. I mm-hmm. never saw that. Is that not like on YouTube? I bet it is. You know, it was for a while. Yeah. Okay, I'll it's, find it. It's a, it's interesting. I'll, I'll definitely look at it. I have one more to go. You know, I may I may want to put it off because it's what's one one. It's nice to always have one more thing, even if it's a concert film. That way, you have something to look forward to. Once you've yeah. seen all the like, once you've seen all the Cassavetes films, you can't see a new Cassavetes film, and it's the problem uh, with I that. Know. So that's my guy too. <laughs> so the, the trick is to always leave one out. And we'll save it. Save it for that, you know, I don't know when, but make sure you're saving it for the right time because there's no more Hal Ashby movies. <laughs> but this has been great. Thank you. And I wish you a lot of luck with it. And we'll we'll meet up soon. We will. Thank you so much, Adam. This is really, really fun to talk, to kick the can around. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> May it have been a better name for the podcast now that you mention it. I I, I I kept it to 45 minutes, which I didn't know. <laughs> Wonderful. That's perfect. All right. All right. Well, we'll be in touch. Thank you so much. Okay. And I will post this right before, you know, like a week or so before the uh, theatrical. That way we make the most of it. Perfect. Okay. Our publicist, Alex Klinert, says hi, too. Oh, oh great. Yes. Alex is terrific. It's being distributed by Oscilloscope. Uh-huh. And uh, that, I can mention that, too, because we, we have friends at Oscilloscope and... Uh, oh, yeah. is, is, all right. Well, thanks so much, and uh, we'll you. talk soon. We'll talk soon. Okay. Thanks. Right. Have a good weekend. Any 
of Hal Ashby's films. You're going to find discussion of class. You're going to find discussion of race. He was so sensitive of what's right and what's wrong. He fought for us. But if you fight nose to nose with the head of the studio, you're going to lose. This will most certainly not be a memo of any sort. It will be closer to the ramblings of a very, very angry young punk. A lot of his wit, I think, came from pain. The way I think maybe humor does come from facing adversity. Hal created such an inclusive environment. It almost felt like, you know, you were all impulses in the same brain. He wanted people clearly to love one another when society's trying to keep them apart. And I'm sure that you'll agree to His irreverence, his impatience with hypocrisy, his love of people. These are qualities that are all reflected both in the subjects that he chose to deal with and in the way that he dealt with Dr. Brinks and Dr. Brinks. It's, uh, let's see, what does it say here? After husband and wife uh, aid workers, Dr. Brinks and Dr. Brinks, die in a plane crash, their grown children are reunited for the first time in years. It takes days for Marcus and Michelle Brinks to sort through their incomprehensible paperwork of their globe-trotting parents' estate. That's just enough time for Michelle to stir up her own trouble. The resulting chaos is a fine distraction for the siblings who refuse to face the grief of losing a parents they hardly knew. It stars again Kristen Slaysman as Michelle, Scott Rogers as Marcus, Ashley Spillers as Marcus's wife, and Robert Longstreet as Ashley Spillers' dad. That's kind of the immediate cast. It's a really enjoyable film. I'm happy to introduce to you right now the uh, team behind Dr. Brinks and Dr. Brinks, Kristen Slaysman and director Josh Crockett here on Film Wax Radio. What, Marcus? Why haven't you picked up the phone? I'm sleeping. What if it was serious? You're not answering. But I did answer. What do you want? It's mom and dad. Hi. It's been a while. Now that you're here, I can probably take off, right? You got this. They were more than doctors or aid workers. They were family. These two beautiful people taught my whole village how to ride bicycles. Oh my God. Are we terrible people? We can't be, we're the children of saints. This is really delicious, Dad. How are you holding up? Truth is, I barely knew them, so makes it much easier. I can see that making it much harder. No, it's easier. You don't look good. What's the matter? I'm grieving, Paul. I'm bereft. You don't look bereft, you look ill. Hello? Hi. No one's home to appreciate this look I'm cultivating. Classy. Oh, this is such a bad idea. I know. Are you kidding me? You're sleeping with my... Hi. Hi. How are you doing? Pretty great. Yeah. Yeah? Spending the summer with, uh, we have this baby now. 
Yeah, uh, Rowan. Yeah. How's How's Rowan doing? She's great. She, how old, is, old? She's a year now. Yeah. Gee whiz. Yeah, I guess I know. that makes sense. Like we met. It we, does add up. The math does actually add up. Yeah. But has she walked? So she's walking. She is thinking about it. Oh really? She's, yeah, she's not walking. She's all over the place, but not walking yet. All right, any day. Yeah. It literally could be tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she's there's a lot of standing and almost walking. Yeah, but she's saying lots of things. Mm-hmm. Right? Mostly dead. Everything <laughs> is dada. Well, yeah, but that's because she can pronounce it. It's shorthand for dada, get mama. <laughs> yeah. That's what yeah. dada means. Yeah, I just, I think that Dada, I think Mama just, there is no difference between her and me. I'm just omnipresent. Oh, interesting. So that's that's how I've decided not to be offended by her. No, but they just can articulate the D. They can't articulate the M yet. That's all. It's harder. my heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, my son, you know, Jacob, he took his first steps literally at his first birthday party. Really? Wow. Yeah, because we, we were at one of these places where, you know, they, they have like mommy and me classes and that kind of stuff. And that's where we had it. And there was a woman who kind of had one of those life-size puppets that she puts her arms through. And he was really yeah. into it. So she just kind of knew how to do it where she would kind of go backward a little bit and he was on his feet because he could kind of steady himself and that's all he needed was he wanted to touch the clown and she kept moving back a little bit and he just kind of took his first steps at his first birthday party with like all of the people there <laughs> he's a real that was the last yeah. time he expressed any interest in being the center of attention <laughs> yeah and it was a good moment maybe yeah. he had he had peaked yeah that was his big win yeah uh, you can't do better than that and then flash forward now 14 years and he just started high school today wow. no yeah it's incredible wow. yeah that's a pretty exciting moment i We're... can't even wrap my head around that yet yeah well i don't know what happened but uh yeah it all went by so i got up really early this morning and i headed out to uh to meet him there because he lives with his mother you know most of the time he lives with me some of the time because it's like a tradition to be there the first day of school it's kind of important especially new yeah. especially in new school you know yeah yeah cool. big change yeah he's it's uh it's incredible he's great it's the best anyway yeah yeah well it was really nice to get your email today guys oh yeah yeah we're excited it feels like you know, we birthed a, a, a baby, then this is our movie baby, and so the the birth of the movie baby. Yeah, had its first day at school uh, on <laughs> Yeah. Great, yeah. <laughs> Only in, in your scenario, Robert Longstreet is in it, which <laughs> I don't have that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Although I guess that's my true. podcast is, in, is like my version of that, and I do have Longstreet in that. That has long street. Exactly. Go. You've got all kinds of little children. Out yeah. Actually, it's funny because today I was introduced to, over email, a filmmaker. What's his name? Daniel. I'm going to screw up his last name, but Daniel, and who has a new film starring Robert mm-hmm. and uh, Tally Medell, who I, I'm sure you know. Through, oh, Jewels of Light and Dark. That's the one. Yeah. So. Oh, that's so. Right. Yeah. So this this uh, producer and actor Tara Culp, she. 
she I guess helped cast that that movie, and so she made an introduction today. So, have you seen it or her? no? I guess you couldn't have seen it. I I actually gave to that Kickstarter. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, Good for you. I haven't I don't know anything about the movie. I, so Daniel you should use your producer on the film then. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm I'm one of the EPs. I'm one of the 362 <laughs> yeah. EPs. Uh, it's like Daniel Labs or Lab. Lab. That's what it is. Labs. He had a short film at Maryland the same year that I we were there with something and i don't it might have been oh. you were there with mild and lovely i don't remember it was a while ago now uh, mm-hmm. like four years ago but i met him at maryland back then with the short and um I, yeah i gave it a kickstarter i think i think he did it roughly around the time we did the dr brinks kickstarter mm-hmm. okay cool yeah this is a great plug for it yeah to recap here i mentioned an email you sent letting me know that dr brinks and dr brinks is now available on demand at least on yeah. iTunes and Amazon, Google and Google Play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, Comcast, and all the Rogers. I think all the major cable, pretty much anywhere that you can, you know, pay to stream it, it's out. All yeah. the cable networks. Oh, it's on cable as well. Yeah. Oh, very good. Yeah. Okay. Go Did that happen this past week, or was it a couple weeks ago already? All, yeah, it was all Tuesday. On Tuesday. Okay, so this is perfect timing, because I'm. I think. The plan is to stay up overnight. No, I'm not. I don't have to do that. But I'm going to put this. Uh, <laughs> I would. I'm not saying I wouldn't if you do could that. Have this up on within the next hour and a half. That would be. I probably could do us. that. Sadly, <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, the director of the director of the documentary Hal, which oh, is about yeah. Hal Ashby. So yeah, she she's going to be. So that's going to be the other that's segment. It. Anyway, it's it's it just premiered tomorrow, uh, this past Tuesday. You can now see Dr. Brinks. Now, I saw it. At, I caught up with it at Maryland Film Festival last spring. That's where we met. No, a year ago. In 2017. Yeah. That's where That's we all right. met, right? You were very pregnant. Oh, yeah. Which That's would right. make complete sense. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's the math. That's the track. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? It was, at, it was at Maryland, right? Yeah. That's right. Right, right, yeah. right. Okay. We premiered in Maryland. Oh, okay. Very good. When did you shoot it? The summer of that. Summer of 2016? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're a leading lady. How did you cast her? <laughs> well, I had seen her in a couple dozen shorts that I had directed, and I thought she was pretty good. And yeah. <laughs> All right. For and those so- listening, we just played a really big practical joke on you. Kristen... <laughs> Kristen, you also produced, you're also a producer credit. You have a producer credit. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. But you're you're the you're the big star in this film. You're fantastic in it. I just thought you were so great. You're charismatic and convincing, and so and sexy, and you're just great in this film. And I'm like, I believed you and Robert Longstreet. You guys had chemistry. You know, it was amazing. I can't take credit for acting that part. That was just natural, real. Yeah, um, <laughs> with Rob Longstreet. The rest of it, I will take credit. Thank you. Sure. Good. <laughs> um. Yeah. I Josh wrote it for me. Josh okay. And his writer, Jonathan Pappas. Yeah. We also wrote it for Robert. Oh, and you wrote it for Robert. Oh, yeah. A... I had just worked with him in That Was Mild and Lovely. Okay. And yeah, Kristen had just done uh, that was mild and lovely with Robert and we were and Josephine the, Decker. 
with Josephine Decker's movie, and we were, yeah, we were going around at uh, festivals and uh, following that at the time. I think I also had a short out at that time, so I was around and seeing all those guys a lot, and uh, Robert just, I loved him. He was just amazing. He's amazing in that movie, and he's also just amazing in person, and so... Um, that is true. Yeah, he's he's a real character, so... Um, all the ladies in That Was Smiled and Lovely had a crush on Robert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that actually had a lot to do with the idea of him being this uh, older guy who she, you know, falls for because everyone had a crush on Robert that year <laughs> on the festival circuit. So it all tracked to me. It just made perfect sense. Um, so right. that's where a lot of that came from. Well, you say you wrote it for Robert, but had he already bought into it? I mean, or you just sort of thought, I'll write it for him and then we're going to submit it to him and then see how it goes? Or what, what was that when you say you wrote it for him? You know, I don't remember the exact order of things, but he's he was gung-ho all along. I mean, okay. I, I, I think I saw him, I think maybe I had started writing it for him or had thought of him for it and saw him out somewhere. And I, you know, I said, uh, hey, I'm writing a part for you. And he's like, that's great. Mm-hmm. Kristen's great. I loved working with her. Um, I love your shorts. And, well, you know, he didn't even read it. I don't think it was written. And he was like, yeah, I'm on board. Whatever. Sounds good. No, but at the same happened? time, he says no to a lot of things. So yes, we he- had to give him a script and and uh, and he had to read it first. But he did say he wanted to work together. He said he wanted um, to do that. But, but, I, but then he had to read it. I know from experience, yeah, that he's <laughs> he's... He he says no just as much as he says yes. That's but very he true. Kind of um, he was excited to play a nice guy. Excited, and I think it was something different for him. So it was a little intimidating not to be able to hide behind being you know evil or mm-hmm. or just having that gruff nature that he ha- that he is. Well, if the, you're looking at wait, if you're going to compare it to uh, Thou Wast, Mild and Lovely, yeah, this is a total see change kind of character of course <laughs> yeah <laughs> can't get further right you know while we're at it why don't we just talk a little bit quickly about the or mention the synopsis where you you Kristen, play a character named michelle correct mm-hmm. uh, and uh and 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 you and your brother marcus uh who's played by uh, Scott Rogers, are uh, recently uh, your parents, you're grown, obviously, uh, the children of parents who are both uh, therapists who have died in a plane crash. And you, uh, the funeral is uh, more or less the opening sequence, right? Maybe Yeah, they're, they're kind of um, globe-trotting aid workers. You know, so the idea is that we moved... We had been bounced around to different countries as kids, mm-hmm. um, kind of raised by nannies, and in our adult life had been estranged. And their death, uh, their kind of sudden death, brings the brother and sister together. They had you been know, estranged. I, yeah, they they hadn't seen each other, you know, in a in a handful of years. And um, I always say, you know, it's about two people like who think that they're not grieving over parents that they never really knew or yeah, liked right right and it's, and it's a comedy <laughs> <laughs> right a dark comedy it, it a dark comedy. yeah it absolutely is and robert who we've been talking about he plays bill who is father of father-in-law yeah he's marcus's new wife marcus's oh, right. wife father right. yeah, yeah. Okay. So she, they've all met, uh, you know, Michelle had met them at the wedding, but is never really around. So she doesn't really know these people too well. Right. 
and Robert is uh, can't resist Michelle's wares. I guess you could say. Yeah, she won't let him. <laughs> she won't let him. She seduces. She, she kind of seduces yeah. him in that way, like disclosure, where Demi Moore seduced Michael Douglas. I'm kidding. I can't remember if she's sure. wearing a see see through caftan uh, <laughs> caftan in that movie, but if she is, then yes, it's exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> Close to it. And then also Ashley Spillers is in it. She plays Marcus's Marcus's wife, correct? But That's right. It's been a little while. I actually saw it, of course, again. I saw it twice, but um, it has been a little while. Right. And so Roberts uh, plays Ashley's father. That's what you were saying before. Correct. Uh, yeah. Okay. And it all kind of takes place over the, cor- the, the subsequent days after the funeral when they're sorting out their parents' things that are all shipped to his house. Correct? And then, and, you know, and then there's all this... <laughs> information and dark secrets that come out about the family and everything. That's right. Like that they, in fact, Marcus doesn't own his house or can't, right? Or, right, the parents, yeah. it's his parents' yeah, yeah, house. Right. Yeah. The parents owned the house. The, the foundation, I think the, they're like uh, the Brinks Foundation, the parents ran, owned the house. Everything's in the foundation's name or the parents' name. Yeah. Yeah, but the, the, it seems like the core of the film, of course, well, obviously it's the relationship between the brother and sister who have literally a love-hate type of relationship. I mean, it's a love relationship, but it's there's a lot of tension there because, you know, when they come together, it brings back a huge amount of baggage. So staying apart is simpler, has been simpler, but that doesn't, staying apart, unfortunately, it doesn't really lead to healing it doesn't lead to a sense of health or you know closure whatever you want to call it right that's right yeah totally that's right yeah marcus uh in particular in the dynamic between the brother and sister marcus i think is a little bitter that michelle left you know marcus is in the hometown they grew up in marcus is very much about having a family and rooting himself to try to make up for the ridiculousness of his childhood and michelle has the opposite reaction and is Mm-hmm. You know, has is never around, and she, you know, kind of uh, appears and disappears in and out of his life, and and so that's one of the major causes of tension between them. I don't know if it was intentional, but in a way, because she's decided to break away, there is a sense of owning her life and moving on, which is, uh, you know, a possibly or potentially a sign of maturity, you know. However, you know, getting to know her, we realize, you know, well, there's a lot more going on there than just maturity. And on the other hand, like you're describing Marcus as staying home and rooting himself and creating a family of his own is also a sign of maturity, yet there's also there's also this strain of his, this man-child that's going on, you know, because he's, he, he's, he's got this, uh, I don't want to call it a dark side, but he definitely has this childish side to him that he grapples with right so they both have that that's absolutely right they can't quite grow up can they no and when john and i were writing this that was kind of our approach is you've got these this uh, brother and sister that grew up with the same problem in the same house and then they've taken in in their adult life they've taken two totally different routes to deal with it Mm -hmm. you know and um and there's validity to what each of them are doing but they're at the same time they're both kind of narcissistic and and messed up and um it's not effective for either one of them Mm -hmm. uh, the way that they've been doing things um even in even the fact that it's you know 
total opposite approaches, neither approach is working <laughs> at the moment for these two characters. Mm-hmm. Well, we all know that the two are going to come together. Brother and sister are going to kind of work out. I mean, I can appreciate this by saying, I don't think I'm giving away, a, make, well, it's a bit of a spoiler, but I mean, you know, you get a sense that it's a love story about the brother and sister. And, I, you know, of course, I don't mean anything questionable about that. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sisterly, brotherly love. But we kind of get a sense from the film that we're going to have a bit of, uh, uh, that, that the two are going to come together. But having said that, there's quite a few things in this film that, you don't expect and are are not predictable, you know, which I can appreciate. I don't know if that was something as you were writing it also with your partner, if you guys were how, how much like you wanted to try to avoid those types of, I don't know. I don't want to even. Sure. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, you you know, you don't want it to be predictable uh, for sure. But Um, you want it to be authentic, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every, at every stage, uh, you know, I, I don't think we ever tried to do something specifically because you don't expect it. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, as we were writing it, we, you know, we just kept we just kept taking it places that amused us, really. Just watching these people and their ridiculous behavior and, you know, whatever made us laugh is what the characters did next. Yeah. Yeah. And I sort of see some of the vignettes like I see the the short films that Josh and I have made that he's written and directed, I see them in the, in the different scenes in the movie um, that almost could act like standalone short films in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. Also, I think that that's part of, you know, a style and a fun um, way of approaching scene work that, that Josh had kind of developed Mm-hmm. Like the like the almost threesome, you know the the weird some of the weird sex, you know all that's those yeah, things are almost like we we made we've made films for years together, just for fun, but um, and always called them explosive bolts, and I see those little scenes as like mini explosive bolts inside of a movie. Interesting. So yeah, I see that you uh, have like the well at least four shorts. Right. Did you are these uh, available to see the house guests dinner with Holly? Both. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, the most of them are online. I think Vimeo. We, we used to have a website back in the day, but I think mm-hmm. right now things on Vimeo under Explosive Bolts. Um, okay. There were many of them. We were just kind of playing around. We've been doing this for years. We started, I think, around two thousand eight, two thousand seven, mm-hmm. just making these little shorts, and some of them are are very just strange avant-garde little weird shorts 45 seconds long a minute long mm-hmm. um we we made a lot of them and uh a lot we worked with a lot of friends and collaborators it was a lot of fun um i think about four of them we took on the road <laughs> yeah i mean they were really just a way to practice making things sure. you know i come from a theater background and I was pretty frustrated with shooting something and then not seeing it for six months, a year, a year and a half. And I just thought that was a, a pretty terrible way to improve as an actor. So luckily, Josh can work a camera, direct, mm-hmm. write and edit. And so, you know, we would make things together and I would immediately be able to see what I had done and what what was working and what wasn't working and mm-hmm. we've got and we also 
took that opportunity to get through all kinds of fights as a couple. <laughs> and mm -hmm. by the time we made it to working with other people, we had we had had 80% of our fights. So I think it yeah. was it was helpful in a in multiple ways. You had purged that part of or yeah, you know, you know, we were a well oiled machine. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah Pretty well oiled. Pretty much. <laughs> a very oily machine. The name of the film, again, is Dr. Brinks and Dr. Brinks, and it's now available on iTunes and most other major, excuse me, major streaming platforms as well as on demand on cable. Where, where are you guys from originally? What's your background? Are, uh, Chris, and where, where, you, where did you uh, grow up? Where, you, where did you spend your formative years? I know you guys live currently in Los Angeles, right? Yeah, I grew up mostly in West Virginia, mm -hmm. um, in Wheeling, West Virginia. The Northern Panhandle, which has a great visual if you have ever met anyone from West Virginia. It's just the middle finger sticking up. Um, Naturally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. Just like Michigan and, you know, just a couple states are blessed with, with, oh, yeah. with visuals to go along with them. <laughs> um, and then I went to school for theater at Northwestern outside of Chicago. And we met in New York um, where oh. I moved after after school oh yeah. yeah you lived in new york i lived in new york yeah for about six years really and was doing ensemble devised theater and you know mm -hmm. living that that was my mm -hmm. that was my jam at the moment and yeah and that's when i met josh and he was actually we were dating for two weeks and he said i think i'm gonna move to la and i was like cool uh, random dude that i just started dating in new york <laughs> that's fine with um, so it was um, it was my foray into casual dating in a big city, and it was a failure as far as casual dating went. Yeah, where where, where years? Were, years sorry, well that was twelve years ago. So okay, post nine eleven. Post nine eleven, New York. But mm -hmm. you were two thousand six. I was in New York for a while. Mm -hmm. I went to. I'm from Maryland originally. Okay. And, um, I actually I grew up in the suburbs and. Place called Ellicott City outside of Baltimore, but my mother actually has been living in um, Baltimore pretty much since I left uh, after high school. And so, Maryland Film Festival was a lot of fun. Right. We've been and at Maryland over and over. And my mother lives, I mean, I think a mile and a half from where all the festival stuff happens. So it's um, walking distance. Yeah. Exactly. It's been really fun. And uh, I mean, between movies that Kristen's been in and movies that I've made or edited or worked on, uh, we were there every year for five, six years in a row. So it's a lot of fun. Right. Well, it seems like it definitely that they care a lot about the whole Maryland connection, as well as selecting films that they believe in. They do. They mm -hmm. do. And they've been very good to us over the years. That's yeah. Nice. And we honestly wouldn't have had, I don't think the, um, I don't think we could have made this film without knowing about the Maryland Film Festival, um, meeting people at the filmmaker conference, mm -hmm. hearing uh, honest, people's honest version of their creative process and hearing about money and how to fund films, you know, that that's the whole inspiration for this movie. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. Not only that, I mean, I was I was definitely had heard good things about it. I had heard that it was a film I should go check out while I was at Maryland, and I'm really glad I did. I mean, of course, knowing Robert, knowing Ashley, was a, a definitely a motive. But uh, I really enjoyed I enjoyed the movie, as you guys know. 
and I, yeah, you know, and I, I want it to. I want a lot of people to see it. I want people to hear this and go see it. And uh, so do we. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> well, good. naturally. Yeah. Yeah. What are you guys up to? I know. Well, you're uh, parenting. You have a young, very young parent. child. Yeah, we've been doing some parenting. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Does little uh, little Rowan Louise? Rowan, of course, Rowan Louise. Does, does she show any uh, acting ability at this stage? Any, any, or any, maybe directing as well, a, as a say, one year old? Listen, uh, babies and animals are the best actors mm-hmm. around. True. That's a fact, and everyone else is just trying to get as close to their spontaneity, right, and purity, <laughs> as possibly can. Yeah. Pure so, truth. right, there's no <laughs> pure truth. There's no self-consciousness. They're hilarious. They're they're, really good sounds. They fail at everything. So she's, you know, I'm just trying to be as good as her. Well, you joke around. uh, Maybe you're not joking. But, uh, I mean, truthfully, you know, both of those species, shall we say, to have no self-consciousness. So, I mean, is and isn't that really what makes an actor? I mean, is it or let's put it this way. Isn't that a crucial component to being a great actor is a lack of self-consciousness, a lack of fear it's like you're you're just you're not second guessing yourself i mean you have to get out of your own way oh yeah i mean i then the net will appear that's uh that's the goal but no it's true i honestly it is true uh that's why animals and babies will always upstage you right that's true yeah but i see a lot of this in your performance in dr brings i mean i really see there's a uh i don't know sense of um risk taking in the performance i don't know if that's if you feel that way about it but uh hey yeah i do thank you mm-hmm. um i especially do in this film because mm-hmm. i felt so comfortable with josh you know i knew that he wasn't going to let me get away with things that didn't feel real to him mm-hmm. but then furthermore he always also allowed me something that i find is lacking a lot in film work which is the ability to fail mm-hmm. you know i i love to push things to the point where they no longer work and then bring it back. Um, and that just time and trust. And mm-hmm. um, I do think that, yeah, getting out of your own way is something that's important in performance. And it was easier for me to do that on a set that felt like mine um, mm-hmm. with a person that I really trusted. So, so well, yeah, I'm glad that you feel that way about it. What was the dynamic like being married and being a you know couple? I mean, do you think... I mean, I guess maybe, I don't know, you, you worked with Josephine. Uh, how can you, how do you compare and contrast those those situations? And, and you worked with Robert in both of those? Yeah, well, every director is different. Um, you know, Josephine, I felt very collaborative with her and that she's feeling out these different moments in her scripts in a very active way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I felt like, I was taken care of in, in that way. Mm-hmm. And then with Josh, I feel a little bit more, I don't know, maybe it's because he's an editor. I have an idea that he's written the words and we've rehearsed them enough mm-hmm. that, well, first we're saying the words that he wrote, you know, and not improvising at all. So mm. there's the feeling that it's more of a rehearsed thing where we're finding different beats and shaping them. And so I, I feel like, he has an idea of a thing that's going to make him happy. This is how the scene functions. And once you've hit the beats that he's that he likes, that he wants, um, you've completed that job. And then there's a freedom inside of that um, 
to explore. And I think our personal relationship helped. I don't know. You can weigh in if you feel differently, but he's always been, he's always helped me with my auditions and he's always worked. You know, we have a good mm-hmm. secondhand. Uh, yeah. We've been doing a lot speech of stuff together. together. Yeah. yeah. So I think it, I think it was pretty great. It's interesting. But, but you know, yeah. you do have to be getting along. We have also worked very hard to get along and be nice to each other. Same with having a baby, you know? Yeah. No, if you want right. to let that stress get to you, it will kind of crack your relationship open and it'll be a big old mess. But if you can kind of stay kind and loving, mm-hmm. it's the best. But those... The best. But those—that's just an idea. What are the what are the strategies? What are, what, are, what you know? You have to have tactics to do that. I mean, do you? It's a matter of uh, when you're starting. The tension is kind of mounting, and you feel like <laughs> you know tempers could flare, things could be said. How do you? Uh, you know, what do you do? I mean, you, what you did, could say you come together, but the, yeah, what do you, what did, do you, yeah, what do you have do? an answer though? I want to hear I what your know. answer is. But did you guys, I mean, it could also just be a very strong foundation that existed because you guys, I don't know, waited and uh, really worked on it. It sounds like you kind of met and a couple of days later moved to LA together. I don't know. <laughs> it just sounds crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does not well, sound I'm like a sturdy yeah, foundation. Just, yeah. <laughs> but I, I'll say, I mean, I think part of it is trust that we've, built up over the years. I mean, our early films, Mm -hmm. he would say, you're blinking too much. And Mm -hmm. I would hear in my head, I don't love you. Mm -hmm. You're bad at what you do. (laughs) You know, why wouldn't you hear that? That's what that means. Um, And so I would get huffy and, Mm -hmm. uh, and then we would watch the footage and I would think, what alien am I trying to play? That's (laughs) blinked 17 times a minute, you know, or whatever it was. So a, I learned that he's, he's my objective eye outside of the world that I'm performing inside. Mm -hmm. But also I think when tensions run high, this is my relationship advice. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anyone out there is interested, but I think the, the way to solve it is always to figure out what the most vulnerable thing you can do in that Mm -hmm. moment is Mm -hmm. what the most vulnerable part of yourself is and why you're getting defensive. And if you can take a step back and, have the balls to expose that or have the grace to expose that then um then i think you're on a path towards diffusing that's vulnerability big thumbs up i think i think you're absolutely right i mean i think being vulnerable if you can't be vulnerable and well it's a risky thing to do but it's risky with somebody who you haven't reached a level of trust yet it's something you're working towards but to get there you have to be vulnerable with each other so it's a it's that's that's the period of time where you really just are taking the big emotional risks you know once you built it then you can be vulnerable because you know the other person's got your back you know whether it's whether it's personally and family life or on the set you know whatever it is yeah and it's a lot you know to work together as a couple Mm -hmm. you know is is something we worked out over the years and did shorts and we kind of have a shorthand and you know i'll help her with auditions for other things and, she doesn't blink as you much know, we, we do a lot of collaborating so we had a shorthand on the on that front as director mm-hmm. actor but the movie also mostly took place in our home mm-hmm. with all our stuff the set dressing is all our things okay 
in our space. Our dog is in this movie. Our friends and family, our mothers are have cameos in this movie. I mean, it was so wedding? personal. And we would wake up every morning. At the funeral? What's that? Were they at the funeral? Yeah, they're at mm-hmm. the funeral. That's okay. right. We mm-hmm. flew them in to, to be um, a uh, background at the funeral. But um, Nice. But yeah, I mean, we'd wake up in the morning and our our bedroom, as soon as we uh, the alarm would go off, our bedroom would turn into hair and makeup. Mm-hmm. It was one of the only house, rooms in the house with an air conditioning. So, uh, you know, it's very it was very personal. It was a personal movie, but it was also very personal and just invasive even in our lives that mm-hmm. three, three busy weeks making that movie. So um, there was a lot to, to deal with. As wow. far as like yeah. feelings and and all that, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's not like getting up and going to work, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's like getting up and work would come to us, and all of a sudden, a crew of twenty five people would descend on our house as soon as we woke up in the morning. Yeah, maybe we just didn't even have the luxury of fighting about the things we would have normally. <laughs> yeah, there was not really even time to think. It would have been that. kind of yeah. selfish, right? Yeah. It's true. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, that's how it is when you make uh, really low-budget movies. Uh, you really have to use everything. Um, mm-hmm. And and I don't think we could do that again. I don't know how you feel. I don't, it was, you know, you realize that... Well, you got, you can't do a sequel in there. No, we moved you on sold, to that Yeah, you sold the house. <laughs> or it got taken, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, my my ex wife is doing my podcast next week or the week after. Ooh, I can't wait to tune in. Yeah, she's an actor. Electricity. Uh, yeah, she's in something that's going to get kind of a you know a, she's in a film and it's getting well you know it was a play and then it was filmed and it's getting a, a sort of a theatrical nationwide. So I finally we finally had an opportunity to do the pie. You know, it's weird. Weird. It's like, I, I'm not. I'm not, I don't know where it's going to go. Could I go, think yeah. that's, that's the beauty of it. That's, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Why everyone will be tuning in. Everyone wants to know where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But we we decide. We definitely know that no no kids will be in the in the play. You know, in the in the room. That much we know. Sure. Where we do this. Yep. Yeah. That's fair. In case it, in case it gets messy. I mean, <laughs> you got to at least give the fans something. You got to have one fight. You know. <laughs> well. Yeah. Embarrassing story from the past. Oh, there will be. It's unavoidable. Yeah. (laughs) Has to happen. Has to happen. I want to just mention this uh, film once again because uh, it's special, and the people in it who made it are special. Uh, It's called Dr. Brinks and Dr. Brinks, and it stars uh, Scott Rogers and Robert Longstreet, Ashley Spillers, and the one and only Kristen Blinky Slaysman. Got that blinking under control. Oh, good. Oh, good. Okay. It took a long time, but uh, yeah. about halfway through the movie, I got that blinking under control. <laughs> and then I just VFX the earlier blinking right out of there. So it's all good. Yes, thank you. I have my own version of that on this podcast, but the beauty is I can I can edit out the ums. You know, it's just, <laughs> right. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, it's easy. So nobody knows how, how much I might say um because they're they're missing from the from the final edit. Uh, see it right there. <laughs> the film is directed and co-written by Josh Crockett, who we've been talking with, and uh, we'll mention Jonathan. Is it Pappas or Pappas? Pappas, Pappas, yep. like Irene Pappas. What else? Anything else we should mention? It's available on iTunes and Amazon again. I said uh, right now, so you can go yeah, from listening. Has, mm-hmm. 
It has killer performances. It does. The, the ensemble is great. And I, I'd i like to say that I think the music's really fantastic. Who designed the poster? I love the poster. It's like from Adam Mad Magazine or something. Yeah, that's this uh, artist, Phil Roberts, who's... Uh, Kristen found him. We were looking... I, I wanted this kind of... This old-school Jack Davis mm-hmm. artwork feel, and we actually found this guy phil roberts and he's one of the guys he was doing movie posters in the 80s he did back to school with rodney dangerfield oh yeah so he really is yeah i remember those he did that yeah hot dog the movie he did and a bunch of other weird things from the 80s um great guy and um it was a ton of fun because that was the style i wanted but i did not expect to find actually one of the guys that did those posters back in the day and yeah. He was great. We sent him a copy of the movie. He watched the movie beginning to end and then started sending us sketches. Fantastic. He steals all sorts of little jokes from the movie and puts them into his drawing and everything. It was, it was really great working with him. Yeah, he's genius. I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah and, and you guys are immortalized. Oh, at least Kristen is. Yeah. Let's do this again soon. I mean, I, I don't know, you know what you guys will be uh, directing, acting in next, but I'd love to follow up again. You know, uh, We will. Be great. Yeah, that'd be great. It's so nice to talk to you. Same here. And I'm glad we switched over to audio, too, because this has been much... Much smoother. Much smoother, exactly. Yeah, sorry <laughs> for that. You know, you yeah. never know how it's going to go until you start it. Well, anyway. But, uh, okay, uh, take care, and we'll... Uh, I'll have this up, uh, believe it or not, tomorrow. Wow. Woo! Awesome. Thank sleep. you so much. Thanks, yeah. <laughs> I didn't last night, but I, I, I think tonight I might... <laughs> When I finally close my eyes, I'm going to. <laughs> I, I want to be at my kid's school this morning, as I mentioned, so I just uh, did not right. really yeah, get you. Yeah. Good luck to him. Thank you. Uh, making his way through high school. That's fun. It yeah. is That's really a big fun. step. That's a big one. Yeah, it is. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Well, thanks to you for always being so supportive and for for getting people's eyes on it. Mm-hmm. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it, too. Yeah. All right. Well, good night. <laughs> Talk soon. <laughs> yeah. Have a s- sweet dreams. <laughs> Thank you. You too. Take care. <laughs> bye, bye, Adam. All right. Bye, bye. Are you kidding me? You're sleeping with my father-in-law. What do you want me to say? I haven't seen you in five years, and every chance that you get, you're running out the door. Do you want to yell at me, or do you want to hang out with me? The red helps my eyes. This adds moisture. Moist and red makes me feel better. Moist and red. Stop. Stop, 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 stop. Can you get in the back seat? Can you get in the back seat? No, the whole thing is just wrong. Okay, I didn't instigate it. Don't give me a hard time. You picked me up at a funeral. First time we've been under the same roof in 10 years. and It hasn't gone very well. Just let me... I'm Come on. Ow! You're the only family I have left. Disaster. I am learning a lot about the Brinks family. You're in the Brink family. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we have coming up on the show Jim Cummings, who is a new uh, film called Thunder Road. We have uh, Sasha Waters Fryer with a new documentary about photographer Gary Winogrand. The team behind a new uh, independent film called Relaxer. Joel Petrikas returns, bringing actors Josh Burge and Andre Highland with him on this upcoming episode. 
They mentioned Amos Poe is going to be back on the show. My friend Amos Poe, who is so instrumental in the film world, and we're going to be, uh, he, what an episode that is. I can tell you it's one of those episodes that just came together so beautifully. You're going to love that. I'm working on quite a bit of stuff coming up, quite a few extra special guests. I, I can't announce them until they are in the pocket, so I'm just going to hold off for now. But I do, do implore you, keep listening, keep helping, write reviews for us on iTunes, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and on Twitter. Please help us out, get involved with FilmWax Radio, reach out, say hello, tell your friends, tell your family. Anybody you know who loves films, this is a great podcast for, for you. All right? Thank you, everyone. This is uh, your host of Film Wax Radio, Adam Shartoff, signing off of episode 506. We'll be back in a few days with a brand new episode. Until then, take care of yourselves and the ones you love. Yeah.